0: This campaign we've been on for the last several weeks is really all about that God in His great grace and mercy has formed each of us just like you are for a great purpose and a great plan. I guess the passage of Scripture that, that just dealt with my heart, I guess, more than anything we've done over the last several weeks has been Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. So I wanted to start today with reading that passage. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, For we are God's masterpiece. Some translations read that workmanship. The original Greek word is poema. It's where we get our word poem, and it literally means you're God's work of art. He has created us, new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us so long ago. So as I look out across this room today, I see works of art. I see God's workmanship. I see His masterpiece because that's what He's created you to be. We've spent the last several weeks on a church-wide journey called, What on Earth Am I Here For? Um, we've looked in depth at these five purposes that God has for each of us. It was and it is my great desire that these messages not just be... You see, I-, I-, I told you that these messages were uh, have been taught literally ac- across the globe. But I wanted them to be... A right now word for Life Point for our church. So with that in mind, we're going to look at each of those five purposes today very briefly. Some we're going to spend a little more time on than others. Um, and we're going to look at those callings, those purposes, those assignments given to us by God in light of what they look like at Life Point. <laughs> so if you let Him, God may speak to your heart in a brand new way today. If you'll open your heart to Him. He may speak to your heart about who you are, what God's called you to do and what God's called you to be. He may cause you to fall in love with your church all over again. How many know that there's a big difference between knowing your purpose and living your purpose? Listen to me. If all we've done over these last six weeks is given you information, we've wasted an enormous amount of time and energy if all we've done is helped you memorize a couple of scriptures, help you go through a book and understand in your mind what these five purposes are, then we we really have wasted a lot of time. My prayer is that today we leave this building on mission to not just know our purpose, to live our purpose outside these four walls. See, that's when Information becomes radical transformation. That's what I want for us today. So we're going to spend time in all five of those past, uh, all five of those purposes, all five of those assignments. We're going to start with worship. We said that the worship uh, purpose, in in the way we defined it, in what on earth am I here for? Was that our that worship was to be loved by God and to return that love back to Him. To be loved by God and to return that back to Him. Now, we experience worship as believers in really two different ways. We experience it corporately, Mm -hmm. like like today, and we experience it individually. So, I want to talk to you just a minute about music. You know, as long as i've been a part of the church i've had a a musical part i've uh, i've led worship i even directed a choir we had robes the whole bit they were magenta am i lying they were bright And there's always been this tension about music in the church. And it was always, well, we don't want to sound too much like the world. I've always had issue with that. that it was tuned this morning. We don't want to sound too much like the world. And I take issue with that. Because how many know the world didn't invent music? The world didn't create music. In fact, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, For in Him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things, listen, this is the part I want you to get, all things have been created through Him and for Him. So what you need to understand is these songs that we sing, they're not for you. And in reality, we say, well, we don't want them to sound too much like the world. How many know that the world copied the church first? And it's just made full circle. So you come to Life Point and and you're going to experience a lot of different worship styles. You're going to have people that's going to bow their heads and sing along. And by the way, you need to sing along you do you need to sing along you you might say well i i don't have a strong singing voice a good singing voice like tori well that's why tori has a microphone and you don't (laughs) but i just need you to understand something when we gather we don't just do it to sing songs let me tell you what'll happen if you'll let it when we gather in a corporate worship environment you know, I'm not telling you, you got to worship like Joy, who's you know going to do the helicopter around here a couple times. You know what that looks like? Listen to me, listen to me. Look at my eyes. You know what that looks like? It looks like somebody getting free. You you may not worship like somebody that's got their hands in the air. Or, I mean, that's not important. So God created music. And here's the thing. Isn't this cool? God created this dynamic where I can pluck a string, and it makes these vibrations, and it sounds pleasing to our ear. Only God could do that. In fact, if if you pluck the strings in just the right order, which I do from time to time, you're going to get three harmonious, complementary notes. And you know what we call that? A chord. These three strings are vibrating and sending out these sound waves all at the same time. And we get what we call harmony and accord. chord. But guess what happens if I throw something in there that doesn't belong? It's not music, is it? You know what that's called? Discord. See, if we as musicians, and I call myself a musician because I own a guitar. <laughs> I call myself a golfer. I own golf clubs. <laughs> if we as musicians understand that when we put something in the, in the chord that doesn't belong, or we take something out that does is supposed to belong then it just it just doesn't work now we're talking about individual worship because i want you to hear me worship in your life not just in the church is musical do i not i don't play an instrument no nope. But I believe that there's three notes to the lifestyle of worship. That if you'll play those three notes, you'll have harmony. But if you'll take one of them away, or you'll add something there that doesn't belong, there'll be discord. Ever had discord in your life? You ever had those seasons when it just didn't seem like Things were in harmony in your life. Me too. So I'm going to give you these three notes, okay? You ready? They're not in your outline. This first note is adoration. That means in my life, God, I'm going to do all I can do to bring honor and glory to your name. Because you and you alone are worthy of my constant praise. That means tomorrow when I get out of my bed, what I want to do is I want, to, I want people to know who you are. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I bring you praise in my life and I give you honor in my life. Don't you want your life to bring adoration to the Son of God? And then the second, the second note is repentance. What does repentance have to do with worship? Repentance has everything to do with worship. See, if I adore God with my life, and I adore Him with my words, and I adore Him with my actions, it's going to lead me. The Bible says His kindness leads us to repentance. What's repentance, Dwayne? I'm going to tell you. Repentance is when you agree with God that He's right and you're wrong. And when when we merge repentance and adoration, we get something that almost sounds like a chord. I'm going to give you a good way to start your day tomorrow with just those two things. I'm going to tell you how I start my day. Lord, I adore you. I honor you for who you are. When I don't know what to pray, how about you just start telling God about how good he is? And when you do that, here's what will happen. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for things that my mind has thought that it didn't need to think. I'm sorry for things that I listened to that I shouldn't have listened to. I'm sorry for things that I said that I shouldn't have said. And when you merge adoration with repentance, there's another real important element that adds depth to our chord. It's called surrender. This is how you worship God with your life. With just those three notes. Lord, I love you. You're right and I'm wrong. And your way is the right way. So now take my life and use it for whatever you want to do with it. See, we, we talk about worship like it's just singing at the top of our lungs in our car, and that's great, but can I tell you what real worship is? It's when we surrender our life in humble adoration, in, in heartfelt repentance to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then we find harmony. Here I am to worship here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely. All together, worthy All together, wonderful to me. So here's, hear me. If your life's in discord, if it's in disarray, why don't you start your day with just those three notes. Adore Him. Surrender to Him. And watch what God does in your life. See, that's what what living a lifestyle of worship is really about. It's doing it His way. Can I tell you, I've done it my way long enough and it doesn't work. Whenever I try to deal with my family, deal with this church, deal with my finances and try to do it my way, it never works. But when I bring things into harmony with God's plan, it always works. Isn't that what worship is about? I think you should give the Lord praise. Dwayne, I'm not a worshiper. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Do you know why? Because everybody, everybody worships something or someone. You just get the opportunity to decide what it is. See, some of you worship your career. Some of you worship your bank account. Some of you worship a, a substance. Some of you worship a person. You ought to go home and read two chapters in the book of Isaiah. It's Isaiah 44 and 45, here's, here's kind of what Isaiah does in those two chapters. He says, how stupid are we? That's my word, not his, I'm paraphrasing. How stupid are we that we think we can build a God with our own hands? We, we've called all these craftsmen together to, to, to fashion a God out of materials that we made. How stupid is that? And not only that, when you're done fashioning it, you've got to carry it with you everywhere you go. does seem a little ludicrous, doesn't it? But we do the same thing. See, some of you have have hung on to this resentment, this, this hurt, this anger for so long. You carry it around with you everywhere you go. And listen to me. When you do that, it's an idol. And it will always stand in the way between you and the worship of your Father. Let me tell you the difference between an idol and a God. I fashion an idol. I create an idol. I carry an idol. God created me. He formed me. He fashioned me. And He carries me. So at life point, we choose to worship Him. We're going to tear down our idols, individually and corporately. Hey, I I don't want worship to happen in your life for 15 minutes before I preach on Sunday. I want it to happen day after day after day after day after day. Worship is the only experience you'll ever have where surrender equals victory. Worship. Look at somebody and say worship. Fellowship. I love this. Fellowship. We're called to belong to God's family. Acts chapter 2 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That word fellowship, we've talked about it at great length here at LifePoint. That word fellowship is a Greek word, koinonia. And it means... In the original language, koinonia means fried chicken and potato salad. Okay, maybe not. It literally means common unity. It's where we get our word community. To the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled in awe at the mighty wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in, what's that word? Common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread. Circle those two words. Broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. The Bible says that the apostles met and broke bread. Jesus said of himself, I am the bread of life. Just hours before his crucifixion, Jesus met with those that followed him closest. And he wanted to find a way to explain to them what was getting ready to happen. And the Bible says that he, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he passed it out to those disciples and he said, This bread is my body that's broken for you. And he said, every time you eat it, remember me. And so just a few days later, we find the apostles breaking bread together. We find the apostles praying together, learning the scriptures together, breaking bread together, remembering Who Jesus was. Now, we read that the the disciples had everything in common. And you're going to look around this room and you're going to say, we don't have everything in common. We're different people. Some of us have normal color hair. Some of us had. You knew that was coming, didn't you? You weren't here last week, so I... You know, we we're different. We share different interests, we share different hobbies, we have different likes, different parenting styles, different uh, lots of things are different about each of us, but there's one common thread that ought to run in all of us. The broken body of the bread of life. See, that's what fellowship really is. It's when we gather together as different people with one thread in common. That we've been redeemed and made new and beautiful by the blood of Jesus. This ought to be a big deal here. See, fellowship is more than just just sharing a meal. Fellowship, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Fellowship is how we handle the one another's of Scripture. I'm going to give you a few of them. The Bible says, and this is what koinonia, this is what fellowship really ought to look like. That we should be devoted to one another, to honor one another, to live in harmony with one another, to accept one another, to serve one another, to be kind and compassionate to one another, to admonish one another, encourage one another. To spur one another on toward love and good deeds. To love one another. The essence of community is found in the body of Christ. Now, I, w- I want you to hear me. And, and this maybe this seems self-serving. And if it does, I'm sorry. You can't find that on the internet. Now, I'm thankful. F- now, now, you can get online and, and truthfully, you can hear... Better singing and better preaching on the internet. But you can't have this one another staring at a screen. The essence of community is found in the body of Christ. And listen to me. The church is changing. I have, I have conversations almost weekly with pastor friends when we go, well, what are we, what are we going to do about this trend in the church? What are we going to do about that trend in the church? And, and here's, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to continue to believe that the greatest institution on this planet is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody said, well, the church is in decline. No, it's not. The church is growing. You just need to look at it from a global perspective. And and when Jesus comes back and he's coming, do you believe that Jesus is coming back? He's not coming back for a sick, anemic church. He's coming back for the bride of Christ. (laughs) So what does that mean for us? Here's the deal. In a family, we're a family, by the way. You know what I love? I love when people come to me, and maybe they've just been here a few times, and they'll say, man, it felt like family there. Well, that's what we've prayed for. Yeah. And I don't care if we're 50, 100, 10,000. I don't want that to ever go away. Right. Yeah. But listen, it, it feels good, but how me know, in a family, everybody contributes. Right. The only way it's really going to feel like a family is that everybody pulls their share. Right. Right. <laughs> I had this great idea one time, one time. (laughs) We used to do this uh, southeastern caravan twice a year, Thanksgiving and on Christmas. And we'd, especially when the boys were young, we'd bounce from in-law to in-law to uncle, aunt, cousin, the whole deal. Anybody done that? You know what I'm talking about? It's just lovely, isn't it? (laughs) And so while we were in Statesboro... I just kind of put my foot down and I said we're not doing it on Thanksgiving Thanksgiving dinner is at our house and if any, this is what I should have just left it there <laughs> but I said and if anybody wants to come they're welcome to come <laughs> so now in a few weeks on Thanksgiving Day our house is going to be full of a bunch of people but here's the deal if you're our family and you're coming to Thanksgiving dinner, you better not come empty-handed. <laughs> Don't come in those doors empty-handed. You need to come into, that, in, into this sanctuary, which is old school. We, we call them worship centers now. But it is a sanctuary. Sanctuary. You need to come into this sanctuary with an offering. Are you talking about money? I'm talking about an offering of your time, your talent, your treasure, of your worship, of your praise. Don't come in here. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. We're not consumers in the body of Christ. We are contributors. Well, Dwayne, I'm not talented. I don't have... yet. You'd be amazed what... What a, hey, I'm glad you're here offering will do to somebody. What a, let me give you a hug, I hadn't seen you in a couple of weeks, offering will do. In a family, everyone contributes. So next Sunday morning, when you in your car, getting out of the parking lot, God, what am I bringing today? It may, it may be a word of worship. It may be a word of encouragement. It may be a one another mm-hmm. for somebody. Is this making sense? You understand what I'm talking about? since I'm fussing can I just keep going you don't you don't switch families just because you got mad at your brother-in-law maybe it looks like this I heard this story my wife's already nervous I heard this story I heard the story of a man that was stranded on a desert island and for years and years and years. He had all but given up hope of ever being rescued. And one day, off on the horizon, he sees this ship. And he and he'd never seen a, a ship in the horizon before, so he thought, this may be my one and only chance. So anything he could find that he could burn, he he made this big fire on the beach and just made it as smoky as he could and and, and just in the hopes that maybe, maybe somehow the ship would see him and turn that way. Well, guess what? It worked. He noticed that the ship began to turn his direction, and, and they got this rescue raft off of the ship, and they paddled toward him, and they pulled up on the beach. And he's so thankful and so grateful to finally be rescued. And they, they said, sir, we got to know, how did you survive all of these years? And he said, well, you know, I had, there's some fruit trees and... I learned how to fish and just live off the land. They said, well, what did you do for shelter? And he said, well, if, if you look on that ridge, you can see my house. I, you know, took the timber that was here and, you know, made me a nice place to live. And he said, but we see three buildings. What's, what's the building on the right of your house? He said, well, that's my church. That's where I worship. I go there on Sunday mornings and I worship." In that building. That's my church. And they said. Well what's the other building? He goes. That's where I used to go to church. (laughs) That just proves. (laughs) There's no perfect church. (laughs) Hey let's be a family. Let's lock arms. In koinonia and take care of the one another's in this life you, maybe you're here and you say "Dwayne, I, i'm i'm good right now Let's praise the lord but guess what i bet you can speak an encouraging word to one another i bet you can find a way to serve one another i bet you can find a way to love one another because there's going to come a day when you're going to need that amen amen worship fellowship Discipleship. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because we, we got some. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to keep you here too terribly late, but I, I, I want to show you this one thing. Um, I think I actually showed you this once before. This is when I gave my heart to the Lord. I asked my youth leader what I should do. And he said, you need to find a Bible you can read. And so I went to the Christian bookstore and I bought this Bible. Um, it was, I wish I'd have put a date in it, but I don't, I don't think I did. Um, it had to be somewhere around 1981. Um, and I did something really radical. I started to read it. And I, I can't tell you a whole lot of sermons my pastor preached. But I can't tell you about nights when I was lost and, lo- and lonely and hurting. And I can, I can even show you some marks. When I get discouraged, see, I got this underlined. Know you're not that you're the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. I'd read that. So here's what I want you to know. We're going to have every available discipleship opportunity we can. I've been a part of big churches. I've been a part of small churches. In fact, the church that we had in Statesboro, we had a very elaborate discipleship program. It was, it, we were really cool about the next steps. And, and we'll have that. But here's what I need you to hear. Do you know the, the key player in the discipleship pro, process is not your pastor? It's you. The discipleship process, the spiritual growth process must be intentional. It doesn't just happen you got to make a choice to do what the bible says and work out your own salvation in fear and trembling it if i think when you come here on sundays we do we do a really good job of trying to make sure that you get accurate and healthy biblical teaching but listen to me it's not enough i i'm a twitter guy Anybody, any Twitter people? Am I alone in the world, in the Twitter world? If if Don and I are watching something on TV and I get bored, I'm on Twitter. And I follow a lot of pastors and I follow a lot of ministry leaders and and I follow a lot of bloggers. And here's what will get my attention. Here's four steps to fill in the blank. Here's seven easy steps to... Because I know that I I don't have to read the 17 paragraphs. I could just go from point to point to point and just read the bullet points. Mm-hmm. Listen to me. There's no easy steps to the discipleship process. Mm-hmm. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Sorry. And and Dwayne, maybe you say Dwayne, I've been I've been following the Lord 50 years. Your marathon's not over. Mm-hmm. Right. You still need to be about the business of working out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Can I just say it like I want to say it? You need to still have your nose in the book. You still need to be talking to Jesus every day. Right. If you're not doing that, we can have 94 discipleship programs going on here every week and it won't do you any good. You got to make a choice to work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. All right, now, now we're going to get to this part that I'm, I'm so excited about. Uh, I'm going to show you a slideshow of something that happened uh, we've talked about uh, worship, uh, we've talked about fellowship, we've talked about discipleship, now we're going to talk about ministry, we're going to talk about service, and I want you to watch this slideshow from our Thrive event just a couple of moments, a couple of weeks ago. You guys give a welcome to Joyce Shaw, Tracy Kimler, our Thrive directors. Now I'm going to tell on them a little bit, and, and we only got a couple minutes, So, but I have to tell you this, Tracy was like, can we rehearse our interview? And I said, no. We're not going to rehearse our interview. You know what comes out of my mouth. Yes, that's why I have a highly trained sound man. <laughs> so I guess what I want to just ask you guys, um, tell me in, in just one or two sentences, what's the heartbeat of Thrive? Community and love. People. 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 It's not just people, though, is it? No, nope, no, nope. Pets. Pets, too. Yep. <laughs> so, for those of you that don't know, what Thrive does is they gather together clothes and pet supplies and really a, a, a variety of different things. We gave away a, a stroller this past time. Um, and then here, here's the deal. People line up in this parking lot an hour before we open the doors, to to take home clothes that you gave away. See, ministry, service, involves touching what God loves the most, and God loves people. So I'm going to encourage you, if you've never been, you should come. So let me ask you a question, what's the greatest need you guys have right now? volunteers um, for setting up and just for being there and loving on the people. And for sorting, and for sorting through clothes, lots and lots of clothes. What, what sometimes you don't see is these guys will come up here during the week. I try to hide when Tracy comes up here because <laughs> she puts me to work. Um, it, it's an enormous amount of work to a- accommodate all this stuff. It's an enormous amount of work because... You know, when we built that closet over there. We thought, okay, well, this is going to be, uh, you know, we'll grow into this, huh? Um, it's it's, We're out. it's packed full. Um, so, let let me just ask you this: one of those slides said it took you eleven hours to set all that stuff up that day. Yes. Now, without without trying to make anybody feel guilty, was that because you didn't have enough help? Yes. Didn't have enough help. Yes, we didn't. Well. Here's, I'm gonna ask you this question: Would you do it again? Yes. Was was it worth it? Yes, absolutely. Can can I just tell you? I I love the way I show up on, and and they completely ignore that I'm there. (laughs) Their focus is all on those folks that are walking through that building. And I got there this past time about 15 minutes after 11. It started at 11. Y'all, that building was packed with people that needed stuff. So we're going to ask you for two things. We're going to ask you to consider and pray about volunteering yeah, please. at the Next Thrive event. Jesus. We're also going to ask you to pray about financially supporting this ministry. And, and listen, part of what, we, of what it takes, they're, they need these bins. They bought them at Home Depot. They're $8 a piece. So we're not, of course, we need fifty of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But to even start. at that, we're, I mean, that's yeah, that's not an enormous amount of money. Um, so we need you to help because this is the um, embodiment of what we talked about when we talked about ministry and service. So I want to ask you one more question: um, Can you can you think of just one reaction from one of the, the clients that came through, that, that just keeps you coming back.
1: Just one. <laughs> yeah, just
0: one. they said just one. They're so thankful, and they appreciate us. You know, just... that's that's the thing that catches me. It's what what my job typically is is I'll, I'll help carry bags out to to the guys' cars. And even, even the teenagers are like, "Man, we just, we just don't know. We just really, really appreciate this." It's an, a vital, important ministry, and you ought to be thankful you go to church that recognizes that need and is, is helping meet the needs of our community. You ought to be thankful for that. God bless you. Thank you guys. That's all right. That's good. Ministry is an offering. I used to say that ministry, ministry was an investment of your time, your talent, and your treasure. It's not an investment. It's an offering. Now, you'll get something back. I, that, I intentionally asked them that question. Is it? Would you do it again? Would you come and set it up for 11 hours to do it all over again? And the answer was yes. No hesitation. It's an offering. Yes. Ministry is an offering of your time, talent, and treasure. I'm going to show you this one other thing, and then, and then we're going to go on. And, and we're almost done, I promise. Jesus said these words. Or this is an account of what Jesus did right before he was crucified. John chapter 13. The Bible says, So he got up from the table, took off his robe, and wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Jesus took a towel and washed the feet of his disciples. And this was his way of saying, uh, uh, of personifying the idea that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So I thought the greatest way for me to illustrate this was to to hold a towel while I'm talking about this. And sometime around Friday, I thought, well, that's going to be really stupid. Because this is not what we need to offer back to God. A clean, perfect Spotless towel. You know what we need to offer God? We got this towel at our wedding shower. You can see me through this towel. Almost. This towel has now left our pantry. It's in our rag bin. So over 30 years, listen, this towel has dried bodies. It's wiped up puke. It's wiped up worse than that, probably. I raised two boys. Now it wipes up spills. And it's, it's threadbare. And it's worn because it's been used. Now listen. If we're standing before the Lord... What do you want to offer him? You want to offer him this towel that's never touched anything? Or you want to say, okay, God, here it is. I want to offer him, this is what I want to offer him. I understand what it took for him to make me new. I understood what it took for him to take what I used to be and to make me into the man that I am now. I understand what that took. It took his life. And so hear me. I want to leave this world threadbare and broken, doing all I can do in service to my king. We don't have time to, to speak about the evangelism purpose, but it, just, just know this. You're called to be sent, and, and evangelism happens on the relational level. We're, you know, we, we've knocked on doors. We've done all that, but the, real evangelism happens when you make an investment in somebody else's life. Jesus calls you to be a witness. All throughout Scripture, all throughout Scripture, Jesus, all throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit's referred to as oil. There was this passage where the psalmist said that it's good and pleasant when Brethren, when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, it's like oil that ran off of Aaron's beard. And what that refers to is when they would anoint the priest and they would anoint the king, they would literally take oil and pour it over their head so much that it would run down their beard. Hear me. I want us to have the best of the best in this place. I want us to have the best music and I want us to have the greatest youth program and the greatest children's church and, and we're trying to get better. We've hung all these lights and making improvements to our sound system because we want to offer God our very best. I want you to hear my heart. None of it means anything. If the oil of anointing doesn't flow over our heads. So as we pray for Our worship and we pray for our service and ministries and we pray for our fellowship. How about it start here? Spirit of God, have your way in our lives. Have your way in our church. Three words. I want his presence. Now we walk by faith, not by sight. That means we don't we don't have to feel it but isn't it good when you do? We want His presence. He was here waiting on you when you got here today. We need His power. See, that's, that's the passage of Scripture I was going to read to you about our evangelism is, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes and you'll be my witnesses. None of this happens. Your life, my life, my, my, my own growth in Christ Our attempts to reach our community, our attempts to help disciple each other, our attempts to do the one another's and to serve our community, none of it happens without the power, presence, and anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's my desire. I hope it's yours. That's where I want God to take us. As we pursue these purposes in our lives and in our church, God just pour that oil of anointing on us. Help us to lean on you. Would you bow your heads and worship with me?